Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg with you. I think I'll be joined by the silent assassin momentarily. Everyone else, Stephanie Burke, Lauren Awesome, and Matt Moniz, they all have the night off. It's, you know, that's what happens in the summertime. Life takes over. And, uh, of course, for me, the paranormal is life. Uh, really, I just, I got nothing else to do on a Saturday night. This, this is my life. <laughs> but I'm glad to be here talking with you about the paranormal, as we are each and every Saturday night, normally at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, but the Red Sox pushed off our start time a little bit, uh, well, a lot, because of uh, another marathon game with the Yankees. And we all knew that was going to change. You know, the, the game started off moving pretty well, and I was like, oh, man, we're going to get on right on time. But, of course, it's Red Sox-Yankees, so... We all know what really happens with those games. Uh, but we do have a great show for you tonight. Uh, joining us on the line now, we have our guest. Her name is June Lundgren, and she is the author of a couple of books, including A Medium's Guide to the Paranormal, at Paranormal Encounters, and Paranormal Encounters Book 2. And she has a new book that's coming out. Uh, it'll be released tomorrow. It's called The Dark Side of the Paranormal. She's a psychic, a medium, a nurse, an animal communicator, and, of course, an author as well. And she has been communicating with spirits and angels and other supernatural beings for the last 18 years. And she's taken all of that knowledge that she's gained and put it in this book, The Dark Side of the Paranormal. And she joins us on the line now. Good evening, June. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Oh, spooktacular, as we like to say here. <laughs> so thank you for working with us with the the Red Sox schedule. This happens to us every every year during baseball season. Yes, I just won't tell you I'm a Yankees fan. Okay, well, that, it's been a great <laughs> night talking with you, June. Uh, well, <laughs> well uh, we got this one, but I think in the end, you know, the, there will only be one team in the playoffs uh, out of the two, and I don't think it will be the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. So that being a Yankee fan now, I understand why you wanted to explore the dark side of the paranormal, because, you know, you do root for the evil empire. Yes, that's true. It's, it's, from my, it's a holdover from my military days. Well, it, it seems like uh, that I've, I've read the book, and, and it, it seems like you've got a, a pretty good sense of the light and the dark. It seems like you have a pretty good idea of you know, which beings operate in which realm. And, and let's really start it off right at the beginning. Why does it have to be that way? Why does there have to be a light side and a dark side? Uh, I think it's like anything. You know, you've got your yin and yang, your good and your bad side. The opposites is always going to be that way. And, you know, the, we were beings at one time of just pure energy. We had evolved into pure energy. And, and we traveled, you know, all the universes, and till one day we decided, part of us decided, you know, I miss being a physical being. I miss having children, the feeling of touch and things like that. And there were those that didn't want that, didn't want to suffer the pain and, the, you know, getting old, having children, you know, sadness, heartbreak. They just didn't want to have anything to do with it. And that's where the division arose between uh, the dark and the light or, you know, between Lucifer and, and the followers of God. And it just, you know, that's what the war was all about in the first place. And when the end came of the war and Michael the Archangel was the one who, uh, who, took, who won the sword away from Lucifer... And God said, I'm going to give you exactly what you want. You will never be able 
to take human form. And as, as far as Lucifer was concerned, that was that was great with him. He didn't want to have anything to do with it. But then he, you know, God told him, "I'm going to cast you into the darkness because you can't be here in the light. You need to, as part of your punishment, you will be relegated to the darkness." And that's where we get the division between the dark and light. And a lot of people don't know that once they were cast into the darkness, they have two different names, the light name, and they take on a, the dark name. So Lucifer took on the name of Satan. So now with... So, I'm sorry, go ahead. That's okay. I was going to say, with this division existing now... Uh, you know, in the book, you kind of cover it a little bit, but it wasn't an instantaneous. You know, once uh, Lucifer was banished to to the dark realm uh, with those who followed him, it wasn't an instantaneous thing where they were where they were evil right away. Th- that evil kind yeah. of built up over over a long time. Yeah, over the centuries, you know, the hatred festered and grew to such an extent that they could, you know, they could no longer just tolerate it. And they found ways of getting back at the souls who had physical bodies now. And that's where, you know, you get demons in the world that come into the world either through a dark portal or someone has opened, you know, a portal or a vortex, a dark vortex or portal, and they don't close it, so it leaves it open. Or they can get in by way of a seance or, you know, satanic rituals summoning them but they have you know you never hear hardly i uh, i can count on the, the one hand the amount of the old ones is which i call them the the old demons the ones kind of like uh you know the old ones from the bible you know moses and those these old demons rarely come into the world you know the lesser demons are the ones that make their way here and try to cause problems the older ones don't have the time or, or the inclination for it. But the younger ones, the lesser demons and the minions, the shadow people, they, you know, they try to get in here and stir up problems because, you know, discontent between family members just make people miserable. And once you're touched by the darkness, if you have like a, a demonic attachment or are under demonic influence, you're always going to have to be aware of your surroundings once that's removed because you will always be a target. Well, you had mentioned that people can you know, bring these beings into this world through a couple of different methods, and, and you mentioned opening up these dark portals. How, how does that happen, that people are, are opening these? Is it something that they're doing consciously or subconsciously? Well, a lot of times people don't understand what they're doing, they're playing with something that they know nothing about. They'll hold the seance. And I'll give you an example. Um, in Portland, Oregon, there is the Shanghai Tunnels. And they're very haunted. And then I was, I'm a member of a paranormal group, Northwest Paranormal Investigative Team. And one, the gentleman that's taking care of the restoration of the, the historical part of the tunnels called us in and said, you know, there's something going on, and I had never been down there before. And so we, I did a walkthrough with my group, and before I even got in there, I knew there was a demonic in there. 
I could feel it, and I, you know, I just kind of pretended like I didn't, I didn't acknowledge it. I just was sizing it up, and once we got through the walk, we went up into the museum, which is housed in the next building, and I asked the gentleman that uh, is overseeing this, I said, uh, how long have you had the demon in there? I said, somebody's been doing uh, seances, Ouija board, that type of thing. And he pulled me aside where the others couldn't hear and said, you know, this is, I found out recently that for the last six months, people have been coming into the back of the tunnels and doing these seances and using the witch boards. And he says, ever since then, I've been having problems with, you know, people being attacked. And he was attacked on a regular basis. And, and I told him, I said, you know, this has to be removed. I said, I cannot do it today, but I will come back in the next week and, and I'll do it. And so the following week, I told my crew, I, I make a special salt. It's a black salt. I have the recipe on my website. And it's protection against anything negative. I told my group, I said, stay within the circle of salt and you'll be safe. I said, when I remove it, I cannot protect you. I said, you will have to stay in there. I said, if you step outside of the circle of salt, I cannot help you. So went ahead and I removed it. And then he had no more problems in the tunnels. So and that's there was that it was just you know that was as was about six months ago and, and that was why you couldn't help him on that initial visit was because you needed to come back with the salt for for your protection. Yes. Okay. I needed to protect not me but the others. I, I never go without Michael the Archangel, so I never have a problem. He always protects me, but he's watching my back. You know he can't protect you know eight or nine other people. Well, how did that relationship come about that that you've started working with uh, with Michael the Archangel? I've worked with him in all my lives since I was, since the, he told me since the moment of my birth, he was with me and has been with me in all my lives. So for so multiple physical incarnations. Yeah, I just grew up with him and so I'm so used to him. That's why, you know, when people, I did a show with uh, my friend Aaron Collins called uh, Paranormal Crossings. And it was a TV, a local TV, that you can find it on YouTube. But during that time, I did an initial show, and there was two of us doing, you know, just doing one show right after the other. So I did mine first, and then the other girl went on and did her, her show. And I kept waiting for him to let me know when it was going to be on TV so I could watch it and tell people to watch it. And I kept waiting and waiting, and this was in October, and... Finally, I got a hold of him and said, what's up? You know, where is it? He says, I have something bad to tell you. And I said, well, what is it? He says, your show doesn't even exist. Hmm. He said, the other girl who we did on the same disc right after you, they do it on Blu-ray and in the computer, says, her, this turned out fine. There was, it, was, it was perfect. So yours didn't even exist. There were no files. Wow. He thought I would be mad. But I just laughed and told him, I said, you know what? That happens to me all the time. I said, when you deal with the dark side, they're going to try to, you know, cut you out one way or another. And he asked me to come back the next week and redo it. And that's when we did. And I told him I would bring Michael this time and he would be earthbound with me. 
And so in the show, you know, he's like, I, he wanting to see, you know, Michael, and Michael was up on the ladder and stuff. Well, about halfway through the show, he says, well, you know, can we see Michael? I said, well, you know, he's not allowed to show himself on TV or in cameras or anything like that. But I said, I'll have him come stand behind us. And the the, the other host that was there said, oh, my God. She says, I just felt something to pass between me and the air that's been blowing on me constantly. She says, and I saw this image of a, a huge wing. And then Aaron says, Aaron said, oh, my God. He says, he says, can I see him? And I touched his forehead, and he's like, he's like, oh, my God. He says, I saw a huge wing stretched out behind me. And I saw his reflection in the monitor. And I said, yeah, that's Michael. I said, he's got a 12-foot wingspan, and he's about seven feet tall. And then when she says, when the host, the woman says, Christina says, you know, something just passed, you could hear the demon scream. Because whenever Michael is earthbound with me, then, you know, souls are drawn to him to cross over. You know, they come to the light that is him to cross over. And this demon followed, and I I asked Michael telepathically right before that, you know, do you hear, do you feel it? It's here. And he's like, I got it. And that's when Michael wrapped his wing around, his right wing around it, and cast it down. You hear this horrible, this horrible scream at time index thirty-seven forty-four. Oh, so when we were talking about Michael kind of kind of being alongside you throughout all of your your incarnations, how did uh-huh. you? Was there a point in this lifetime, in, in this existence, in this uh, lifetime as June, where you realized that he was in your life and you made that connection, or was it just something that you were aware of from the moment you were born? I was always aware. My grandmother was very, you know, it was she had the gifts to all the women in our family back to the 1600s. And she says, you know, Michael's with you. He'll always be with you. You never have to worry about anything. He says, I, she says, I'm not worried about you. He'll protect you. And then I've always known it. And, you know, I've talked to him periodically. But when I died in a motorcycle accident in 1988... And I crossed to the other side. Then everything became clear. I was up there. My grandparents met me, and they said, you know, you can't stay here. You have to go back. And I said, yeah, I know. And there was this other being up there, and his name was Michael, but it wasn't the same one. And he said, you know, you have to relive your lives so that you understand what you have to do in this lifetime. And it seemed like forever where I lived all the mortal lives, they make you relive it back to the soul life, the your actual soul. And I'm like, that can't be, you know, when I got to the soul. And he says, yes, that's who you are. He said, you are Ariel, the archangel, guardian of the throne of God. He said, you were sent back and will keep returning back until you learn to have compassion for man. You had lost, you know, your compassion for mankind, and you had forgotten how to love and how to care. So God made you go back down, and you'll keep returning until you learn the lesson. He said all you wanted to do was kill the demons. That was your whole existence. You lived for that. 
He said, then God knew that you needed to change. And so that's why you keep returning again and again. And he said, this time, you know, this is what you have to do for God, as well as, well as helping others, being, you know, in the medical field listeners, you must help people that have demon, demonic attachments. You must get rid of the demons. That's part of your job for God. You're so good at it as an archangel, he said, that this is something that you needed to do in this lifetime. I'm like, geez, you couldn't give me something nice and airy fairy. You got to give me the hard stuff. And then they said you need to go back. And then next thing I know, I'm waking up with the police officer over me. He looked pretty relieved when I woke up. Hmm. Well, I, I think that uh, when when people are drawn to do that type of work or, or or tasked with doing the type of work that you do and they're bringing you back and, and having you do that, it would kind of be helpful maybe if they put you back into the life of maybe a billionaire and, and made it so you yeah. could spend all your time doing that. I've always hoped for that, but, you know, life, you know it's like, like anything. It's, and people don't understand. I've had met people that say, well, you know, what, you get sick. How come you get sick? I said, because I'm human. What do you think? It, you know, I get hurt. I, I just had surgery on my foot. You know, things happen. It makes it keeps you grounded. Mm-hmm. I don't think of myself as anything but me. And the only time I bring uh, I bring Ariel out, I can bring her forward, is when I do demonic removal. Then they know who she is, and they fear her. She was the one who unarmed Lucifer's son in the the fight between heaven and hell. Well, we can uh, we can get into all of that uh, coming up throughout the course of the discussion tonight. We are talking with June Lundgren, our guest tonight. Her new ebook is called The Dark Side of the Paranormal, and uh, you can check out her website, mysticconnections.org. If you're watching on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com, you will see underneath uh, on the screen, you'll see her website as well as her Twitter and uh, you can follow her there as well at June91C. Uh, we are going to take a break for some commercials. When we come back on the other side, we'll cover more of the dark side of the paranormal, of June's work against the demonic, and we'll also open it up for you with questions as well. 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. We'll be back with more Spooky South Coast here in a moment on the new 1420 WBSM. <laughs> Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with the silent assassin Matt Costa broadcasting live on WBSM as well as on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com and also rebroadcasting on the Dark Matter Radio Network, which will be proud to welcome Art Bell back to the airwaves uh, coming up this Monday, June 20th. Uh, he'll make his return with Midnight in the Desert. And if you are familiar with Art Bell, uh, you know, he's he's a legend. He, they, they don't call him the master for nothing. And when you look at some of the type of shows that he's done over the years and, and through his career, tonight's show that we're doing here on Spooky South Coast is pretty much right up Art's alley. You know, this is the kind of stuff that I remember listening as I was growing up to Art Bell talking about, stuff that 
you couldn't hear anywhere else, topics that you wouldn't hear discussed anywhere else. And now you can take that ride with Art again. Uh, again, he's returning this coming Monday, July 20th. The new show is entitled Midnight in the Desert. It will air live from 9 p.m. to midnight Pacific and midnight to 3 a.m. Eastern, and it'll stream out free over the Internet at artbell.com, bringing you the same great topics, same great music Monday through Friday that you're used to uh, with Art Bell during his time on the air previously. You can also listen on your smartphone or tablet using the TuneIn Radio app, uh, which you can download for free. And you can also follow along on the Dark Matter Digital Network, which is the new home for Art Bell, where you can actually subscribe to the archives for just a low price of $5 a month to join the time travelers on ArtBell.com. So it's really, it's, it's just the same great programming that you're used to, the same great topics discussed uh, by the master, Art Bell. It's just coming to you in a whole new way. And we're part of that Dark Matter Radio Network, and we are so proud to be associated with Art Bell and with Midnight in the Desert, looking forward to its debut this coming Monday night. And as a little kind of bonus thing here, Art's testing out the streaming capabilities, I believe, on Sunday night. And he's going to be going live and taking open line calls. So check that out. Dark Matter Digital Network and ArtBell.com to find out more. Now let's get back into our discussion tonight with our guest, June Lundgren. Her website is mysticconnections.org if you'd like to check it out, where you can find out where you can get her books and find out more about her and her work. And, and June, we were discussing uh, in the last segment uh, some of your, your work and, and some of the ways that people can accidentally let these dark beings into our world, uh, whether they want to or they don't want to. And, and you had mentioned conducting a seance. But you being a medium, uh, you have the ability to communicate with the other side. Is there a difference between the way that you do it and with somebody conducting a seance? Yeah, the way I do it is I connect with the other side you know, telepathically. And when you do a seance, you, do, you try to do the same sort of thing. But what you're doing is using your collective energy to actually open a portal, a doorway to the other side so that they can speak through either through a medium, which a lot of people do channeling. I, I really do not prefer not to do channeling. It's not safe. I don't feel it's safe anyway. But, um, yeah, you, you when you open that portal, you must close it at the end. A lot of people don't do that. They forget that, you know, when you open the door, you have to close it. I have to you be reminded of say, that myself. Yeah, you just can't say, okay, well, thanks for coming, and then break the break the uh, connection and leave it open because things will come through. Well, and you also mentioned that Ouija boards are another way that people have opened up these dark portals. And But i got to ask you, because to me, as a paranormal investigator, and, and you said that you work with a team as well, to me, a Ouija board is just another tool in the toolbox, another way to reach out and communicate. Is there a, different, is. Is there a difference, though, between using a, a board or using a digital recorder to conduct EVP or a pendulum or dowsing rods? Are these all kind of one and the same, or does the Ouija board hold some sort of special well, the, the value? We, the Ouija board is a little bit different it actually again opens a doorway to the other side and if you do it with protection you know you make you know i tell people wipe the board down with holy water keep a cross on it a crucifix make sure it has the image of jesus on it and always be respectful respectful 
and close the door when you finish. So many people just let go of the plechette and, and just walk away, and it's still left open. It's like, you know, somebody leaving a, a putting down the phone. The line is still open. Whereas digital media, um, you're connecting with them, but you're not opening that door to bring them into our plane of existence. It's kind of like the difference between talking to somebody on the phone and letting them into your house. Right. Okay. I, I think I kind of see that there. And uh, But say that you are somebody who is working with one of these, and whether you should or you shouldn't, say you're using a Ouija board and you're communicating with a spirit. How do you know that that spirit, how do you know when you've let something through that shouldn't be here? That's the thing. You, you know, it. most people don't understand how to tell the difference between them. Growing up with this gift, I learned, you know, in my book I put down that some of the things that you, some of the ways you can tell, whether it's a negative entity of any kind, if it's a demon, you have, you can get sick to your stomach, you get the sweat, you can get dizzy, nauseated, uh, you have this feeling in the pit of your stomach that just, and you get a, a core coldness. It's got nothing to do with, like, if, when you run into a ghost, you feel you get cold spots. You feel the cold spots. When it's a demonic, it's on the inside. You feel cold, frozen on the inside of you. It's hard to explain unless you've encountered it. And you could have, you know, the smell of rotting meat, you know, sulfur, anything like that. But because when they fully come through, those are the things you get. But when they're just on the board and you're not sure, the best thing, that's why you keep a, a crucifix on the board and a Bible, if possible, and say, you have to command it. In the name of God, I command you, and Jesus Christ, I command you to tell me who and what you are. It has to, you may have to repeat it several times, but it will definitely answer you one way or another. Well, that, I mean, that's some creepy stuff, though, to know that you can be so completely taken over by this with, with no understanding of how it can happen. I mean, there must be so many other things that people must try to check off the list of what could be wrong first. And, and all yeah. this time, as they're, they're trying to go through these more mundane explanations, all this time, this, this dark entity is just feeding on them more and more. Yeah, I had one lady years ago when I was in Vegas for my first book, and she was, you know, saying, I've been trying to get through to you for for days. I was down there for like seven days, she said, and it was like the fourth day. And the phone's always busy. It's always busy. And what happened was I was doing readings and doing some healings, and I stopped with the last one, and I asked my hostess, I said, do we have somebody coming? Do we have another person coming scheduled? She said, no, you're, we're supposed to be have a lunch for the next hour. I said, no, no, no. Somebody's coming and have a demon attached to them. And then the doorbell rang, freaked my hostess out badly. I said, go answer the door. It can't come in because I had you put the salt down. And I could feel it outside of the barrier. And the woman came in. I've been trying for days to reach you. I said, you know, you need to come with me. So I took her in the other room. I said, how long have you had this black cloud hanging over you? And she's like, oh, my God. She says, since I was five years old, 
My parents were killed in a car accident, and I was in the back seat. I was the only survivor. And she said that she almost died. And ever since then, it's like anything that could go wrong did go wrong. She had problems with her health. She had problems mentally, you know, emotionally. And I told her, it's because you have a demon attached to you. I said, it's feeding off of you. It's causing all this. And once the demon was removed, she sent me emails for the next year. She was traveling the world. She said, I'm just absolutely wonderful. She said, I've never had so much peace and so much joy in my life. And it's like, you know, the demons can cause health problems, physically, mentally, emotionally. They take a toll on you. You don't even realize what's going on. You know, it, it's, I just, I went recently, I removed like four demons in the space of the last three or four months, and it's just one right after the other. But God had told me a couple years ago that the light is spreading in the world. And the darkness is trying to push back. So there will be more paranormal activity. There will be more violence. There will be more mental instability, more people with depression. It's a part of what's going on right now. You know, that's, it's, it's very Rust Cole. <laughs> I don't know if you're a true detective fan, but it's a very Rust Cole statement there. You know, that once there was only dark, but if you ask me, the light's winning. And, but there are still, I mean, it, not everything has to be a demon if it's coming from the dark no. side. Absolutely. There not. are, there are other entities that, that work in the dark, right? Right. There are shadow people, which are minions. They are a form, a lesser form of demons. They're like third level down. And these creatures, unlike demons, demons travel in packs. These creatures are, are, like to travel by themselves. They like to have their own territory. They're all linked to the dark one. But these guys like to slowly torture you. They like to slowly drain the life out of you. You know, not only you, your animals, you'll have nightmares, you'll be just have a lot of depression, even thoughts of suicide. That's what these things do. They slowly suck the life out of you, literally. If you've got one of these things in your house, you need to get them the heck out of there. But then you have the negative earthbound entities who are people who, you know, can't show themselves as shadow people. You know, they may have been a short, fat, balding guy who never got any respect in life, and when he crosses to the other side, he's like, I'm going to get my own back on you guys. I'm going to show myself as this big, nasty shadow person and scare the heck out of you. So they don't, they don't have to, do that too. they don't have to be, uh, their, their spiritual self doesn't have to be reflective of who they were on the physical plane. No, mm -mm. they can make you see them the way they wish to be perceived. And, you know, I, I watch some of these shows on TV and they don't understand. Demons can see your future. Just as angels can see your future. But one of their weaknesses is, they cannot see their own future. They cannot see their death. And yes, demons do die. They can be destroyed. Nine times out of ten, they're cast back down. But, but once in a while, you'll come across one that is so bad that it needs to be literally destroyed. I asked uh, Michael about that, and he showed me, 
he put into my mind the image of what happened during a demon destruction. This demon was found guilty. It was it was he it was actually attached to Hitler. It was one of the old ones was attached to Hitler, and there were two more that were attached to Gehring and Hem, Himmler. Himmler. And they caused a lot of this destruction. And in 1941, uh, God said, you know, this is it. I've had it. These, these things are causing, you know, genocide. And so he sent Michael and, uh, down to retreat. Michael and uh, Ezekiel went with him. Ezekiel grabbed the two lesser ones, and Michael grabbed the old demon. And they brought them before God for judgment. And God told them, you know, for your atrocities, you will be eliminated. And then he left it up to Ezekiel to choose who would do the elimination. And an archangel is always chosen to do it. And it was not Michael this time that was chosen to destroy it. It was Ariel that was chosen to destroy it. And he showed me her slicing through it with a sword of light, you know, pure white light. And it just kind of like dissolved like sand almost, you know, and it spread out into the universe. See, the demon's greatest fear is death because unlike you and I, we can live again. We can just, we screwed up this lifetime, but we're going to try it all over again. Well, they don't. If they're destroyed, their molecules are spread among the stars. There is nothing left. No consciousness, nothing. That is their greatest fear. Well, I think uh, I think we will try and go a little bit late uh, into the next hour. And, and coming up in the next hour, I'd like to cover with you some of the ways that demons can be uh, destroyed and, and some of the work that people can do on this end of, of, of existence to try and help foster some of that. But it, when you mentioned the idea of a demon being attached to Hitler in the book, and you had a very interesting story that I'd never heard before, kind of associated with with the Holocaust and, and with the fact that it was actually, the Holocaust was experienced by Jesus uh, from, right. from your research and, and from what you've been told. Yep. yep. He was, he lived to the age of 10. He, the, the cry... The cry was so great among his people that he decided to come down and be reborn so that he could relive the life of those people. And he did it at the time of the Holocaust, and he was killed as a 10-year-old in Auschwitz. And and that was something that he did in order to uh, to, 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 to suffer tell, along to with? Tell his yet to tell his father what was going on, what the world was experiencing. And it was after that that, and he also knew, uh, he also knew about the demon at that time. Demons can cloak themselves. He, he was one of, he was the one who told his father, you know, these things are here, this is what they're doing, you know, we need to intervene. Hmm, it just, it, it... To me, to to understand, you know, because I I come from a, a Jewish heritage in my family, and mm-hmm. and to understand that, you know, th- 
here are the people that uh, a lot of people say that you know the Jewish faith doesn't really believe in the idea that Jew, uh, Jesus would be reborn. And here he is reborn kind of right alongside them and, and going right. through their greatest trials and tribulations right alongside them. Uh, I just find that to be fascinating. And, and this was something that, that Michael had told you? Well, actually, it's something that Jesus told me. You spoke to Jesus directly? Oh, yeah. I speak to him and God directly a lot of times. When I, when I was going through a, a rough patch, after the birth of my son, I was having postpartum depression, and I asked God for help. And, you know, he's, you know, nothing happened at first, and then all of a sudden he's like, you know, I'm going to give you three gifts. I'm going to increase your ability to see the future. I'm going to give you, I'm going to increase your ability. You know, my sister told me this. She's one of my guardians. She said, you know, this is what God's going to do for you. And so... Those were the two gifts that she told me about. And so, and I knew right after that, everything became increased, everything became stronger. And then one time I said, you know, I wonder what God thinks about this. What does God think about this or that? I always had a million questions. I'm sure it drove him crazy. But he said, she said, why don't you just ask him? I said, are you out of your mind? You know, I can't talk to God. He said, why can't you? And I said, well, I don't know. And he said, she said, all you have to do is close your mind, close your eyes, open your mind, and call him. And then I hear this voice that said, you know, I'm here, child. And, you know, my grandmother always taught me to try the spirits. Do not take them for what they say they are or who they say they are. And I said, okay, if you're really God or the entity that I call God, prove it to me. You need to prove it to me. And he says, this is your third gift. He said, I am going to give you the gift of healing, the laying on of hands. And I got all warm and shaky, and the next thing I know, I'm waking up off the floor. And I hear his voice saying, it is done. And I'm like, but how do I do it? (laughs) You don't give me a manual here. I'm like, you know. He said, all you have to do is I will send you to people who need you, by word of mouth. He said, and all you have to do is open yourself to me, and I will send my energy through you into the person to heal them. And it took me, being in medicine for so long, it took me a long time to be comfortable with that. You know, the medical side of me said, well, what if, what if? And, you know, it it was a good, you know, eight or nine years before I felt comfortable enough with it. And he knew that, and he was okay with it. It was small stuff at first. And then, you know, that, that was yeah, years ago. So now, you know, people, he sends me people, and I know when he sends me, he sends them to me that they need a healing. I don't do the healing. I am only the conduit. God does the healing. I am just the physical connection. You know, people don't seem to understand that. I said, I'm not, I'm not Jesus. I am not him. I said, I am only a physical person, an everyday person who he uses to heal people. Well, I mean, but still, just to have that, that's an awesome power and an awesome responsibility to, to have to, uh, to shoulder, you know, to, to have to live a, a mortal life, but then also be that conduit as well. That's why I tell people, listen, 
you know, this is what I see is wrong with you. This is what, you know, because when a person comes to me, Jesus, uh, God tells me, you know, this can be healed, this cannot be healed. If a person has contracted to die of cancer in this lifetime, I cannot, you know, he will not heal it because that is what they contracted for. That's what the soul contracted to experience in this lifetime. I, we can help them with the pain, with the stability of mind for, like, people with Alzheimer's and things like that. But if they're meant to go in a certain way, you cannot change it. It, it was meant by the soul itself. We cannot, you know, that's where free will comes in. If they want to get hit by a truck to die, there's nothing you can do to change that. That's the experience they want to experience. So I've learned over the years, you know, tell people straight up, you know, this is, I'll tell you straight up if you can, if this, he, he will heal you or not. I said, if he won't, this is the reason for it. And I tell him, I tell everybody the good and the bad. Because I don't, I'm not a Long Island medium. I don't only want to see the good. I have, to, if I tell you something that's bad that's going to happen, it's so you can prevent it from happening or prepare for what's happening. I had people, when I, I had a friend of mine come and say, you know, my aunt was just diagnosed with lung cancer. I don't know if I should take off this week or next week. And I looked at her and I said, you need to take off this week because she's going to be dead by the end of the week. Wow. But, but I mean, so she took, some she people, took it off. Uh, some people that have those abilities, you know, I, I know other folks that, that have uh, the gift of, of, of mediumship, of, of, of uh, psychic ability and clairvoyance, and they say that if you have that information, it's, it's, you, have, you can't share it, that in some ways that it's not morally responsible to share it. And you're saying it's kind of the other way, that you, you, you feel a moral obligation to have to tell them. Well, the reason I asked God, I said, you know, that was the first time he gave something to me like that. I said, why did you give that to me? And he said, because I gave it to you to give the information to her so she could spend that last week with her aunt who actually raised her. And it's, uh, and it's, it's usually, if, if I get the information, it's usually to tell them because there was another instance where they had the, you know, the, the daughter and father had been estranged. And I was given them, I gave them the information, the woman the information, to make up with her father because it wouldn't be long before he crossed. And she didn't believe me, and I told her, I said, six months. He's going to die in six months. Well, he's 88, you know, so you figure he's going to die anyway. But no, he lives in New York. He was crossing the street, hit by a car, drug three blocks, and died. Almost six months to the day. Oh. And she never made it up with him. Well, could I mean, we only have about four minutes here before we have to go to the news, so this might be a loaded question with the amount of time we have left, but is there not a way that, that God could share this information with the people directly so as not to have to put this burden, put this weight on your shoulders? You know, I, I asked him I, when he wanted me to write the first book. Because I was, you know, not wanting to write the book in the first place, uh, Medium's Guide to the Paranormal. And he said, he came to me and he says, I want you to write this book. It's very important that people know that I do hear their prayers. I do listen. He says, but what you want is not necessarily what you need. He says, I know what you need. People need to understand that. And people, you know, get excited, you know, get upset because a child dies of cancer, you know. And he says, 
I do not make that decision because each soul makes their own decision on how to depart. My son asked me one time, do you know the meaning of life? And I told him, I said, yes, it's quite simple. It's all about the experience. We come back in each new lifetime to experience something we haven't experienced yet, whether it be dying of cancer, being a mother, being a father, being a woman, being a man. It's, it's all about the experience. And we all have to, to acquire this information to become more complete spiritual beings? Right, to become a full, it's like growing up. You know, you go through the infancy and the teenage stage and the middle age, and then you reach the higher level. You've reached, you know, old age, and you've experienced all there was to experience, and you are complete. Well, we are certainly learning uh, a great amount of that experience here tonight with our guest, June Lundgren, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep going with this. Uh, Matt Costa said he doesn't mind staying up a little bit late, even though he's got to be here early in the morning. And, and uh, I know that, June, you said you'd be game for it, so we'll, we'll go another right. hour, and we'll talk okay. more about the dark side of the paranormal, which will be released tomorrow. Again, check out June's website, mysticconnections.org, during the break if you want to find out more about her and her work. And you can also uh, go to our website, Spooky Cell com to find out more about us and what we do, including our Legend Trips events. Uh, we do have a Legend Trips event coming up on August 1st at Slater Mill in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Your chance to come and investigate with us, and uh, and I promise you we won't open up any dark portals, or at least uh, I hope not. And uh, you'll be able to come and use some of the latest ghost hunting gear. I may have the Ghost Ark uh, prototype by then as well. I haven't heard from those folks in a little bit, but uh, I may have it with me as well. And, of course, Jeff Belanger has the SLS system from Bill Chapel and all kinds of other old-school gear you can use as well. So you can go to legendtrips.com if you want to get some of those tickets. We're about halfway sold out with only a few weeks to go here, and they, and they will all be gone. So try and jump on that as quick as you can. Again, legendtrips.com. You'll get pizza dinner. you get salad dinner. you get... Uh, drinks and snacks all night, all included. You get the historical tour. Keith and Carl Johnson will be there as our special guests. Uh, you'll find out everything about the history of Slater Mill as well as the paranormal history of Slater Mill, plus hours of investigation throughout three different buildings on the property. So you absolutely want to check that out. Go to legendtrips.com for your chance to come out and ghost hunt with us coming up on August 1st. And make sure you sign up for the mailing list there because we have a lot more stuff planned as well coming up in the fall. We'll be back after the news with more Spooky South Coast. Back hour number two of Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa. We gave science advisor Matt Moniz, Stephanie Burke, and Lauren Awesome the night off. So no weekend weird this week. And I think next week we're going to be off the air. I don't think there'll be a show next week because of the Ocean State Paracon and the fact that the Red Sox will be on during our time slot. Uh, so I think that we won't be able to come on early and 
I, I don't know. It's a big mess, Matt Costa, with the silent assassin. It's a big mess. I know you're extra silent tonight because the microphone's way over there. I was say. But we'll we'll be back probably the week after that, right? Eighteen, eighteen. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's what right. happens this time. Right. Everybody's so busy and things get screwed up. But there's plenty, there's ten years of archives to listen to if uh, if you miss the sound of our voices uh, while we're not here. But uh, of course, SpookySouthCoast.com is the way to keep up to date with everything about the show, as well as on Twitter at SpookySC. That's another great way to follow along with everything as well. And of course. We put up paranormal news. We put up the week and weird stuff up there. So there's always stuff going on. So you can follow along with us that way as well. And if you ever want to shoot us an email, spooky crew at spookysouthcoast.com is the way to reach all of us. Our individual emails are all up there on spookysouthcoast.com as well. We'll jump right back into the discussion tonight with our guest, June Lundgren. She's the author of the new ebook, The Dark Side of the Paranormal, as well as a few other titles that you can get through her website, mysticconnections.org. You can go there and find out more about her, about her work, and about some of the books that she has authored. Uh, but we are talking about the dark side of the paranormal, and we're talking about some of these uh, negative entities, these demonic beings, these minions of the demonic, and the ways that they can influence and infiltrate your world. And uh, it, it happens probably more often than people realize, especially those who dabble in the paranormal and, and st- stick a toe in the water without necessarily knowing what they're getting into, that people can have these beings influence their lives. And June, in the book, you cover uh, some of the... Uh, different types of ways that demons could influence your life, the different types of possession. And I'd always heard that there were three stages of possession, and it seems like you're kind of working with a similar school of thought. Yeah, it's, it's close to that. There's, uh, the problem is, you know, they're kind of insidious in the way that they can just work their way into your life and not even you don't even have a clue as to what's going on. Hmm. It's pretty sad, you know. There's a lot of things that can attract them into your life, and uh, you know, a lot of people think that you know, if I don't believe in them, then I'm safe, and that's not true because if they want to get to you, it's usually for a reason. And it's usually because, you know, because, like I said before, they can't see your future. So if they know that you're going to be working for God or going to be doing something in reference to the light or your faith is really strong, you you know, they can pick you out and you can be a target for them. A lot of people think that just by talking about them or mentioning them, reading about them, any of the above, it's going to draw them to you. But let me tell you, they don't need a reason. <laughs> if they want to find you, they will find you. <laughs> and nothing, you know, there's no 100% absolute way of keeping them away. You can, you can say to somebody, well, you can choose not to believe in buses, but now go stand out in front of one and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's the same type of thing. I think we do have a call on the line for you. And if anybody would like to call in with any questions for our guest, June Lundgren, about the dark side of the paranormal, about the demonic realm, you can give us a call at 508 996 
877-996-1420. You can also send them to us on Twitter at SpookySC or by just using the hashtag SpookyLive. And if you have any comments during the course of the show and you want to throw them up on Twitter, use that hashtag SpookyLive. They'll all be amalgamated there on Spooky TV on our website, and we'll be able to see them here as well. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with Joan Lundgren. How are you? Uh, yeah, Joan how are you doing? Good. How are you? Do you have a question for our guest? Uh, yes, I hear heard talking about God. I do work for God, and I have the power for God. And I heard what he said, and now as I do heal people, he talked to me about four times. He told me I chose you because cause you obey my rules, and I'm still doing it. From 91 to now until I go. So, plus I had the demons on me, insane on me. Uh, all I did is went outside and told God to get him off me, and he did. So, I'm still doing it. I know he has a plan for me, but I don't know what it is because it didn't happen. I I have health problems. Yes, I do, and he knows about it. So, you know, she's saying something about on the dark side. Uh, I don't think there's a dark side. I'm just waiting for him to put things together, me and him, for my kids and for me, well, so I can be happy. Well, uh, we will let uh, June definitely address the idea of those who don't believe in the dark side. Thank you for the call. Yeah, thank you. Have a good night. You too. I'd like to hear from her. All right. We will, uh, she'll answer your question right now. And, uh, and, and, I'm, first of all, let me apologize for calling you Joan because I'm, I know people probably end up saying Joan London all the time, but you instead of June <laughs> London. But it's better than calling you Dolph Lundgren, right? I mean, it could be worse. Well. It's my yeah, it's my husband's second cousin. Yeah, but oh, really? Wow. You know, yeah, I answer to most things. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about uh, that caller? Uh, you know, he says that he too has been in communication with God, but that he doesn't think that there's a dark side. Would would God not reveal that information to him if he thought that that was the best way to enlighten that individual being? If he had, if he was ever going to have to deal with them, yes, God would re- God would show him what he had to deal with but evidently he is not that is not part of his job for god because if it is your part a part of your god your job for god believe me he shows it to you the first one i seen was when i was nine years old (laughs) yes (laughs) he shows it to you he reveals it to you his is not to that's not part of his job in this lifetime his job in this lifetime is to help heal people not only mentally but emotionally as well as physically that that's his job he's a healer in this lifetime well i mean i think too that sometimes uh, people have to be careful because how can you really just as you you can't really be sure uh, if it's a demonic per, uh, demonic being that you're dealing with can you really be sure if it's an enlightened being and if it's a, a being of god that you're dealing with See, that's the thing again that's where you know my grandmother's words you know, come back to me and say, you know, try the spirits. Make it prove itself. Make it prove itself one way or the other. And if you command it, it must 
tell you the truth if you command it in the name of Jesus Christ. And you may have to repeat that over and over again until it lets up and either it will answer you or it will disappear. So it's it's kind of like those uh, it's kind of like those movies where the, they always have the criminals that say, "Are you a cop? You have to tell me if you're a cop. You have to tell me if I ask yeah. you if you're a cop. You have to say yes." So if you yeah, if you ask, yeah, but you have to be yeah, but you have to be very very forceful. Another thing is, you know, and one of the things I wrote about in my new book is about <laughs> things that can protect you and things that can't protect you. The myths behind. You know, protection. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of wives' tales on things that can help. You know, protect you against the dark side. And then there are the real things. And I made sure when I did this book that I connected with Ezekiel and Michael about the real things that will help to ward off or to protect you against the dark side. And the real things is a lot of people think that think that a just wearing a cross will protect you. But it has to be a cross with the image of Jesus on it. It cannot be an abstract rendering. So just and a straight crucifix isn't enough unless it has No. Okay. The image of Jesus on there, and it has to be uh, blessed. Holy water, or you can you can you can wash it in holy water, and ask for God's blessing on it. Um, uh, Bible will help reading the scriptures weakens the negatives. Uh, burning sandalwood, pure sandalwood, will help to weaken a negative. Of course, prayers always do. Um, Black salt. I have a recipe on my website when God decided that this is what I needed to do with the demons. He gave me a, like, super <laughs> super black salt recipe. And so you can go to my website and download the document. But it's powerful enough to protect against the demon in the physical world. And, the, of course, they hate the archangels. Michael is just like... They don't want to have anything to do with him. So they have, you know, the Catholics have the the prayer of St. Michael, you know, defend us in battle. That's the one that will help weaken it. But there's, you know, people talk about, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, get some tar water, get some brake dust, you know, that stuff won't help you only in your mind. I saw that in the book. Only in your mind. I never heard brake dust before. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about WD-40? That solves okay. every problem. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> It'll slide through. <laughs> uh, right, it's it's WD-40 to loosen it and duct tape to hold it together. That's how everything works. There you go. <laughs> but so when when uh, when people are trying to protect themselves when they're trying to, to ward these things off, uh, is there a way that you can protect yourself if you live a certain way? Because a lot of times when you look at you know, claims of demonic possession from, and coming from my point of view, of a skeptical point of view about whether or not it can occur, a lot of times you look at it and sometimes it happens in those who are devoutly religious. Exactly. But sometimes it also happens to people who don't know anything about religion at all. Exactly. It's, it's, it's like a crapshoot almost. There's no rhyme or reason to these guys other than they know that 
certain people are going to do something in their lifetime that will help the light. And so those are the people that they choose first. I mean, when I was younger, I had, you know, I knew what I was going to do. And I had a lot of problems where, you know, they caused me a lot of problems, the dark ones. And, you know, you just have to keep going. You have to just pray about it and say, you know, God, I don't need this. I've never had a demonic attachment to myself. But people, I don't understand people who will go on an investigation without any kind of protection. It it blows me away. Or any kind of preparation for, you know, to protect yourself against the dark side. I don't care if they're not bad. You know, you can never be too careful. I mean, it seems like, though, when you are walking into the, the belly of the beast, so to speak, that you are taking the chance anyway that, you know, yeah. something can happen. Would uh, There's got to be a point, though, when you're dealing with something that's going to be stronger than whatever earthly ways you can come up with to protect yourself. Yes, I mean, like, you know, I'm saying there is no absolute 100% guarantee. None. I mean, I'd be a liar if I said there was. There isn't. You know, there's no way. The only way you can do that is, you know, to have an archangel like I have beside me all the time. And even then, you know, they can give me, there have been times when they can give me bad dreams. They can make, you know, make me ill. Dealing with demonics is not a fun thing because there are side effects. You know, they they can shove you down. You know, recently I was, when I did a removal, you know, there was two of us that were, it was trying to shove down the stairs. You know, it's just, it's not fun and it takes a toll on your health. It takes me about a week to recover from dealing with one of these guys. But it's worth it in the way because I do it for God. And I do it to help those people who are having problems with it. I we cannot let them win. It's just it's not an option. So in in a sense when when you are dealing with the demonic, when you are coming face to face with them, uh, and, and if you are somebody who is not of faith, if you are somebody who doesn't believe in either them or in, in the, the positive and the good side of it, uh, can this be, can this be a spiritual test that you could fail? I mean, could you, as, as the person that's dealing with these entities, not you in particular with the work that you do, but, you know, somebody like myself who might, uh, come in contact with one of these, ent- with one of these demonic beings, can you fail that, and can they just basically take over your life? Can can you give yourself into these evil beings? No, not you can fail in the way that you can have uh, an infestation or a, or a, an attachment, that sort of thing. Uh, the problem is, you know, some people tell you will tell you that you that you don't. You know, demons have no more power over you than what you give them. And to a certain extent, that's right. But people fail to understand that demons are stronger than they think. And they are more insidious than they, than most people think. 
Most people think, oh, you know, I know a demon when I see it. I'll know when I deal with it. But they can disguise themselves. That's how they get in, they get a hold of children. You know, they disguise themselves as uh, kids, uh, an animal. You know, something to lure you in, something to gain your trust. And then before you know it, it's too late. Because I always heard that, you know, and you're talking about them you know, not having the corporeal life that we all have uh, when you mention the, the the division between the light and the dark. But I always thought that from what I had learned, that the idea of possession is to achieve perfect possession and to take over that soul. But that's not really 100% possible? That's not going to be allowed to take place? You can hold what happens with a lot of demons is... Some- is they will get a hold of someone, and they will like make their lives a living hell. And when they're ready, they will kill them in one manner or another, whether they stop their heart, whether they make them commit suicide, whatever the case may be, fall downstairs, break your neck, push you down, you know. Then they can hold that soul earthbound. And they can hold, you know, they can keep it from ascending. But if you, if someone comes along and, you know, defeats the demon, then those souls get to cross over. Or if an archangel becomes aware of what's going on and comes and releases the souls. That's the problem. You know, they can hold on to, they can hold on to people, say, you, have a woman, uh, I'll give you a case that I was on recently. The woman was, the woman had cancer. The cancer did not start till the demon, till they started noticing the demon's presence. Then suddenly she got cancer. Had the cancer for two years and the demon stayed for two years and then she died. And it kept her there, earthbound, in the home. And it's continued to keep her and other souls trapped there. And that's when the husband contacted another group that I know, and they got they went out and investigated a couple times, and they couldn't do anything for him. And I, get, I got a text saying, you know, uh, I think this is all more your league. We can't help him. And... I knew the moment I made contact with him over the phone what was there. But, you know, he, I, I, was, I was able to get rid of it for him. In fact, I heard from him again the other day, and he's doing quite well, and everything's peaceful, and his, he can feel his wife with him now coming in visitation. But she was held there, and he says, you know what? I knew it. This thing kept going in my mind and telling me she was stuck here, and it would, you know, attack him at night. And do all kinds of things to him, and it uh, attacked his grandson, and and uh, so now everything's peaceful. But you know, he didn't believe in them. He didn't believe in in demons until you know until you actually experience it. You know, it's something you know people don't think of. Uh, and then you have people the other way around that the minute they have paranormal activity in their home, it's, it's suddenly it's a demon. Right, we see that quite Everything a bit. Everything yeah. is a demon. Well, I try to tell people, you know, they just want help. If they scratch you or something, 
if you're not paying attention when they're moving things, if you're not acknowledging them, or when when you see a shadow go by or something like that, if they can't get your attention that way, they're going to get it one way or another to help them. Well, what do you think makes people feel like uh, they are dealing with a demon right away? Is it the fact that it's, there's such a pro- proliferation of it on some of these paranormal shows that you know every every dark entity that they deal with, you know, every case seems to be a demon? Or do you think it's more the fact that uh, people are still associating any type of paranormal activity with being something evil? Yeah, I think it's the last, you know, it's, you grow up and you hear the spooky stories, you know, everybody's got one to tell about this bad ghost, you know, that came in and Somebody was murdered in there, and so therefore, the, you know, there's a demon in there, or, or there's only only the bad. You know, I ran into a fundamentalist at a, one time, and he said, you know, there's no such thing as ghosts. There's either demons or there's angels. There's no there's no in between, and that people don't stay caught on the earthly plane. They automatically die and just go into the light and happy, happy, joy, joy. I wish that was the case. I would be more than happy if that was the case. But it's not. Humans have too much baggage. You know, we've got, there's I, there's so many people that are suffering from past life influence. You know, I've run into several people where, you know, they've been diagnosed with bipolar. And all it is is past lives trying to come forward. It's not a perfect thing when you go, when you cross and you die you relive your lives, all of your lives, and your life through the eyes of everyone else around you, and then it's supposed to let go. You, you hold on to the experience that you wanted to have in that lifetime, and then you're supposed to let go of the rest. But it's not a perfect thing. You know, we have holdovers. My husband, who is one of those people that if you can't touch it, feel it, or see it, it doesn't exist and, until he's married me. And then, you know, about ten years ago, he had a dream. He always got depressed around Pearl Harbor Day. And then he had a dream, and he says, come to me on the third night. And he says, listen, I've had this dream three days in a row. I'm on the Arizona. I'm below decks in the rec room. And I'm walking through water like I walk through air. And the big topic of conversation is how come they didn't come for us? Well, my husband's always been deathly afraid of drowning, and he's never even had a slip in the bathtub. So he says, I want you to, he says, I, each dream ends the same. I'm running my finger down the monument of the Arizona to find my name. When I find it, I wake up. He says, I need you to get me a list of the people that died on the Arizona. Eighteen pages later, hmm. he got to the 13th page, and he brought it to me. He says, this is me. This is who I was. The name on the paper was Raymond Arthur Roby. Wow. I named my son after my grandfather, Ray Arthur Lundgren. Wow. That's that's a good connection right there. Uh, <laughs> Things ne- are, there's no such thing as coincidence. Well, you'd so mentioned... We went to, oh, sorry, go ahead. We went, to the, we went to the monument a couple of years ago, and once he was there and could see it, then he let go of all that. And he's not afraid of drowning anymore. Well, you had mentioned ghosts uh, a few moments ago, and and you address it in the book about the existence of 
just the spirits of those who have lived on this earth passing on. If if we are supposed to be, as you're you're mentioning here, reincarnated and on this journey, why is it that some of us then get stuck in kind of that in-between phase of being a ghost? Usually it's because of either you died traumatically, suddenly, or without something resolved. Those are usually the way it happens. Or in one case I had where a gentleman had um, died, and he went into a form of what we would consider shock, you know, where you pass out, you black out, everything goes black. Okay, well, that's what happened to him. His soul went into a case, into a kind of shock. And when he woke up, he didn't see his body there. His house was still the same, so he assumed that he was still alive. It took him a while to understand that he was dead. But once he did, it's like, well, this is my house. I'm not leaving. You know, he saw his his son and his daughter-in-law renting the house out to people, and he would make sure that people didn't stay very long until he finally got to the couple that was renting it when I went over to visit. And he said, I like these people. They're, you know, they're taking care of my home. They're, you know, if I can't cross over, I don't know how to. And I said, that's quite easy. I said, let me help you cross over. I said, let me explain to you what happened. If they don't see their body and they don't know they're dead, It'll take him a while to get a clue. And we have so much, like I said, we have so much baggage that we decide, you know, oh, I've committed sins. I, I can't cross over because God's going to condemn me to hell. You know, or people that commit suicide. You hear it all the time, hauntings of people that have committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Because they feel that they cannot cross over because they are going to be judged and thrown down into hell because they're still in the physical world mindset. They don't understand that God does not condemn you for that. What kind of a loving and forgiving God would condemn you for living in a world full of pain that you can't endure? Or, you know, you've lost your loved one and you can't endure to go on anymore. I mean, you know, I've talked to so many ghosts, talked them over because of that. You know, it's you, I tell them, you know, you need to understand what kind of loving God would do that to you. He loves his children. You have to cross over. He will not condemn you. If, you know, if you've done something that you'll have to answer for, yes, I understand. But you have to face it. You have to cross over. And 99.9 of them cross over. Is it possible, though, that they can choose because they want to stay, because they want to remain connected to certain people or to a certain location, and, and they can exist in that form yes. forever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, not, they, don't never, they don't never stay in that form forever. What they usually are doing is waiting for their loved one to cross. They will be with them and wait. Or if they're trying to protect someone from, you know, say the woman was murdered and she wants to protect other women from being murdered. She will stay there until she feels that, you know, she's done enough and it's time to cross. A lot of times, sometimes it'll take, you know, hundreds of years. It's not, you know, it's their choice. That's what it's all about. It's freedom of will. God gives us freedom of will. 
if we choose not to cross, then that's our that's our business. In fact, my husband said, you know, can you go back? Can you have somebody go back and get those men out of there? They shouldn't still be trapped, and you know, in the Arizona. And I told him, I said, I'll ask Michael to go and you know cross them over to bring them out of there. And Michael said, all but one went with him, and he will go back and return for that one when he's ready. See, they make that decision whether they want, whether they're they've had enough of it and they're ready to cross. And, and that would kind of help explain why, when as paranormal researchers were going out, and we're encountering spirits that you know we might deal with something that may seem you know, 50, 100, 200 years old, but we're not really encountering the spirits of of people that existed in the 1100s or, or people who existed in the time of Jesus. We're not encountering their spirits because they've had enough time, Then I, I assume from what you're saying, that they have uh-huh. all crossed over. Yeah. 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 Eventually they cross over. Sometimes it'll take, you know, a couple hundred years, but whatever time it takes, God gives them that time. And they're always assigned an angel to check on them from time to time to see if they're ready to to come home or not. Well, I think that it's uh, in in the work that we do, uh, us regular paranormal investigators that don't have the gifts and the connections that you've been able to make, I think that for a lot of us, if we take that idea into play when we're conducting investigations, when we take that, uh, trying to make our own connection, then it will it will help us and it will benefit us not only as researchers but as people too because now we're having an understanding that it, it might be easier for us to make with a non-corporeal entity than it is for us to make with our own fellow man but it will have an impact in the way that we can live our everyday lives exactly you know it's it's the whole reason behind me writing the book in the first place was because so many people asked me about the dark side and I did a I did the Body, Mind, and Spirit Expo locally for the first time uh, back in November. And people have been after me for years to do it. And I thought, okay, well, you get to give a lecture. And I thought, you know, all the years I've been coming here with my sister-in-law and just, you know, visiting and going to the thing, I've never seen anything on the dark side. And so that was my, uh, that was my lecture, Protection Against the Dark Side. And I arrived into my lecture hall late because I was talking to someone, and it was like standing room only. I couldn't believe it. And afterwards, people were coming by for hours just thanking me for giving a lecture about it. They've been coming for years also, and nobody's ever dared to talk about it. Hmm. Like it's some dreaded secret. But, you know, you can't be afraid of it. You have to face it. Well, we do have another call on the line, uh, if if you wouldn't mind taking it. Good, good evening, we're on Spooky South Coast with our guest, June Lundgren. Uh, yes, it's me again. I'm sorry. I want you to listen, and I want her to listen to me, okay? Well, I can give you about 30 seconds, because we only allow one call per show. Okay. I work with God because he chose me, and she's right what she's saying. Sometimes I cried. I think about my kids, and I just want to be happy. I talk with him every single day, and... uh I know he's got a plan, but I told him I just want to be happy with my kids and stuff like that. He knows what's going on, and I'm doing my job like she said. Right. Well, you, you keep doing that, Rocky, and things will work out for you. 
Hey, thank you. Right. How does it be? You're great. Thank you so much. You have a great night. And thank you for that, uh, too. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, and, uh, and uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You were saying before. That's okay. Um, also, <laughs> I, I recently uh, watched a show where, you know, people are trying to capture demons and capture spirits in a physical world object. But yeah, it can't be done. Sorry. <laughs> well, uh, now, in the interest of in the interest of full disclosure, I have to tell you, June, that I work on that television program. Uh, I, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> I work as, a, as an associate I every, producer. I laugh every time I watch it. <laughs> and but you know, I when I first saw the show because I didn't work on the first season, I've only worked on the upcoming rest of season uh-huh. two. And yeah. when I first saw it, I was thinking the same thing, like. You know, how can you contain this? And the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know, it's energy. It can't be created or destroyed. It can be contained. You know, we do it all the time. We hold energy. If we can hold energy, if we can store energy in a variety of different ways, why couldn't we store paranormal energy? Uh, but when you start trying to contain a demon, then things get a little bit different. It it resonates on a whole different frequency. That's the problem with catching it in in something in the physical world. So far, no one has been able to create something to that on the same resonance that these souls resonate on. If you could do that, if you could find the frequency of the reson of that they resonate on, you could probably catch something. But the only way that I know of is to create an infinity orb, and you guys can't do that. Well, and that's when you mentioned it in the book. When I first saw it, I was like, "Well, now there's the next happening thing in paranormal research. If if only Bill Chapel or Gary Galka could create an infinity orb, we'd be all set. People would be buying them by the dozen. But it's not something that that just anybody can create. No, it has to be created by either an archangel or someone with the soul of an archangel. I've used it twice, and it's used. It's kind of funny because. I told Michael when he showed me how to do it, I said, I said, this is bizarre. I said, you're reminding me of my son's Pokemon. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like a Pokeball. Yeah, because you basically you create the energy and, and and you create the orb out of pure white light energy. And what you do is you pull, fill it full of the energy and you throw it at the demon. Or you can actually just hold it out towards the demon and it'll kind of suck it into it. It's kind of interesting. The first time I used it, I'm like, wow, this is cool. <laughs> but it's, but the thing is, then it has to be taken to the other side and removed. And it's usually, they have what, if you have someone that's a earthbound spirit that's nasty in life and nasty in death, they put you in what I call... You know, the the box of silence. You remember in the old days where they had the soundproof booth where they'd put you in there and you, you know, ask you the question or whatever? Sure. Well, but, actually, it's where the producer was feeding you the answers to the questions if yeah, you watch yeah, that yeah. movie quiz show. But, no, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean, yes. So they have, I liken that to what they have over in the other side, limbo. That's what I call limbo. They put these beans in there, and they have to stay in there until they learn, you know, to change their ways so they're not so nasty. And, you know, the angels check on them from periodically, and they have to 
they have to be sincere in that they've changed their ways, and the angels will know. You can't lie to them. They'll know if you're messing with them or, you know. So that's what happens with the earthbounds. They're put in those chambers, and the demons are cast back down. And so there, there's really no way then for, you know, somebody like myself, uh, uh, just a run-of-the-mill everyday person, to be able to, to do any type of battle with these beings without bringing in someone such as yourself or, or someone who uh, has that enlightenment within them that can assist in it. It's not something anybody should be doing and going alone. Um, no. Uh, the best way to do it is, if you can, you know, is to invoke... Uh, God, in the name of Jesus, God, and also ask Michael before you even go to deal with that. If you know this is what's coming up, you ask Michael or Gabriel or Raphael to be with you. And all you have to do is think of them, and they'll be there. And, but I would not advise it unless you've had train, either training in it or you have the abilities I, I wouldn't mess with them. I would say, okay, back away slowly, and let me find somebody that can help you. You and know, it's just, uh, uh, it's just not, I unfortunately ran into somebody who tried to do that and ended up with a attachment. Well, we know that uh, in in the work that you do just as a medium, there are a lot of people out there who are claiming to have those abilities. And, you know, there's there's really good, legitimate mediums. And then there's ones yeah. out there that are just kind of charlatans trying to make a quick buck. Is it possible, you know, is there a way to kind of tell who can legitimately help you uh, be able to go up against these and, and who is just going to be somebody that's like, nah, I think I could try that? Well, thing is, I don't call myself a demonologist because there's a bad connotation with that word it's just like psychic anymore you know you say you're a psychic and they're like oh madam cleo you know but i remove demons now if somebody truly does remove them you'll know about it because you okay the best way that i can tell you is a gut feeling i know that's not logical i know that's but Everyone who's ever dealt with me with, to deal with demons and stuff has known the moment they talked to me, they felt a sense. You know, everybody tells me that I feel a sense of peace. And I feel like I've known you forever. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but that's, that's how they feel. It's somewhat, you have complete confidence. You don't have any doubts at all. It's like when I go... If I go to deal with a demon, I mean, I may have doubts of myself as a person in the way, you know, I'm doing different things, you know. But when I have to deal with a demon, I have no doubt whatsoever, nothing, zero. It's like the word doesn't even exist. And I go into that mode, and then Ariel comes forward, and it's like people have seen told me how my face changes when she takes over. And, you know, I don't know that because I can't see it. All I know is, you know, she comes forward, I go to the back, and I can see what she's doing, and and it's just, you know, that's how I have to live with it. You know, she comes out, she does it, and then she goes back in. Well, we are talking with June... 
Lundgren, our guest tonight. You can check out her website, mysticconnections.org, if you want to find out more about her. And uh, you can also call in. We have about uh, about 15 minutes left in the program, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. And you had mentioned, uh, though, you tried not to really call yourself a, a psychic, and, and you tried not to call, I mean, call yourself a demonologist, but there seems to be a demonologist in every paranormal group these days. There's a lot of, I guess if you want to give as many of them as full credit as as you can, the best you can do is calling them a lay demonologist or a lay exorcist. Yeah. But there's these people who are trying to uh, go out and battle these things on their own as part of a paranormal group. Like that's the role that they've taken uh, within the organization, and they think that just reading some books is going to be enough. Or or taking a course. And and. And is that doing, I mean, obviously it's not going to do from what you're explaining to us about how these beings really can't be destroyed and how they can't certainly be destroyed by, by manly means. Does that mean that these people, are they going out there and are they kind of just spitting into the wind? Or are they going out there and doing more damage than they are good? If you go out there and you don't know what you're doing or you think you know what you're doing, and all you're going to do is piss it off. You're going to get the demon really, really mad, and then it's going to do more things to the poor person that's having to live with it. You know, that that's the problem. It's kind of like provoking. You know, I don't believe in provoking because, you know, I wouldn't want somebody to come in my house and, you know, tell me to get the hell out or whatever. But it's it just really does more harm than good unless they know really what they're doing and have absolute absolute faith in themselves and in their and in God and their ability to do it and I just you know it, it bothers me when recently somebody brought to my attention that this person was you know said that they were could remove demons and they paid this person money to fly to where they were to get rid of this demon and he came out with a jug of water and said oh you know here's here's the demon and he threw he threw it away and said there we go there's the there's the demon flushed down the toilet uh yeah right and the and the thing is the the demonic stuff continues if you want to find somebody that's a true demonologist or somebody that can remove demons go to the people that they've done the work for and say, hey, do you still have problems? Or did she help you? Did she get rid of it? Uh, you know, I have people, you know, that call me with questions all the time that I've removed demons from them, from their place. And none of them have come back to me and say, hey, it's back again. Because it doesn't. If you remove it, it's gone. It doesn't come back. And they, as I said before, they travel in packs. There's always more than one demon. There's always a, a main demon and two lesser demons. But if you want to find out if a person really can remove a demon and are good, go to the people that they've done the work for. And see, you know, do you, you know, are you happy with it? Are you, ha are you completely rid of it? Has it ever come back? You know, that's what you want to do. Because if 
they say, oh, it went away for a little bit and then it came right back. Uh-uh. That's not happening. Well, I just worry about, too, about when the people who are getting involved in this, you know, there's just in, in straight paranormal research, just in researching the topic of ghosts alone, there's years worth of, of reading and studying and understanding that needs to be done before you even know what it is and, and what the different theories are. So yeah. when you are saying to somebody, I can go into your house and tell you whether or not you have a ghost, when you don't even, I mean, obviously we don't even know what a ghost is, but you don't even have a rudimentary understanding of what the theories are of what it could be, then you are doing a disservice to that person uh, b- by not exactly. being as informed as you could be. And it's far worse right. when, they're, when they think they're dealing with a demon. Yeah, and if you just call yourself, you know, a ghost hunter, paranormal investigator, and all that. When I, if they ask you, if you have somebody that says, oh, I can remove that demon for you, uh, but it's going to cost you, Hmm. I never, ever, ever charge anything for removing a demon. I'm the one who takes all the chances. I'm the one whose life is on the line, but I do not charge because... That is God's work. That is not something that's going to pay my bills. That is God's work, and it is a service I do for God. And that, People do not pay me. I'm pretty sure that God would probably have a problem with you <laughs> profiting off this gift that he gave you, too. Yeah, you know. that's why I don't understand. I have people say, well, you know, well, I, I like, like my healing, the healing that I do for, for God. It's like people say, well, I've had other psychics tell me, well, I can't afford not to pay, not to charge. I'm like, you think I can? I'm not a millionaire, honey, but it's God's work. It is freely given to you. You freely give. All I ask is that they return the favor by helping someone else. Is that so much to ask for? Right. Well, I do think, though, I mean, to some degree, when you're utilizing some of these gifts, you know, you do want to make sure that your your time is worth something. But I'm, I'm taking a look at some of the services that you offer on your website, mysticconnections.org, and, and you have the prices up there for people that want to contact you and, and have a reading. And right, a reading, that sort of thing. House cleansing, um, spirit removal, and these are some of, for people that do charge for these for these services, these are some of the most affordable prices that I've ever seen, for sure. Because... If somebody comes to me and says, you know, I don't have the money, but I need really need this desperately, then I don't charge them. You know, I'm not one of these. It's not, I'm a nurse. It's not my, it's not my life, you know, pay there. But if somebody comes to me and says, you know, I need your help, but I can't afford to pay. Even for a reading, I'll say, hey, don't worry about it. Just tell me what the problem is and I'll help you. My my son tells me I have a soft, mushy heart. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think part of that, though, is, too, like, if, if you feel that you are uh, supposed to be here to help people, it's go- you are benefiting from doing so because it's helping you on your spiritual enlightenment and on your spiritual journey. So even though you're not getting money out of the deal, you're getting something that's worth something to you. And if yep. that really is the goal of mankind, then what the hell is money anyway, really? Exactly. It makes me feel better. And and I do it knowing that God's happy because I'm doing his work. Has he told you, uh, though, at, at any time, uh, 
you know, how close you are getting to, to fulfilling what it is that you need to do? Has he told you that, you know, this, this lifetime, this existence as June Lundgren has helped you to make a huge step forward in, in your spiritual progression? Yeah, he said that, it, you know, that I am getting closer and that I have learned to have compassion for man. I've finally learned to have compassion for man. But he says, you know, you need a couple more lifetimes so you can get it down pat. I'm like, thanks. Appreciate that. So even if somebody... <laughs> be in Hawaii? <laughs> <laughs> even if somebody wanted to just jump into, you know, trying to do what you do and learn and study how to, you know... Hand, you know, if they said to you, hey, I want to come and I want you to be my mentor and I want to study at your feet, is that going to help them get any closer to, to that same position where you're heading? Is that going to help them at all? Or is that just at least, you know, step one in a long journey? Yeah, it, it, it may help them. I mean, I have um, a lady in England that recently that I, that I have started to mentor, and she's like, well, you know, how much is this going to cost me? And I said, only your time to talk to me. I don't believe in charging for that sort of stuff either. Because my, I had somebody to help me. I had my grandmother to help me and to show me the way. And not everybody is that lucky. I, I mean, I am here to help people. If people, you know, contact me with questions and stuff like that. I don't charge for that. It's knowledge that needs to be passed on. People need to be helped. And if I can add another person out there helping some, helping other people, then that's, then that's a good thing. Well, of course, we have been talking tonight about June Lundgren's new book, The Dark Side of the Paranormal, and uh, and this is being released uh, uh, tomorrow now. This is coming out uh, through, is it through ebook only, or is it going to be a hard copy as well? No, it's, it's going to be in print in a couple of weeks. Um, I've got to get I've got to get all the, manus- the manuscript set. I just have to get it set for print. And then it will be available in a couple of weeks. And actually, I went ahead and released the the ebooks uh, yesterday, so they're Excellent. actually ready to go. So just uh, go to uh, June's website, mysticconnections.org, or follow her on Twitter, at June91C. We have about two minutes left, and there's somebody on the line. We'll try and take a really quick phone call. Okay. Good, good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with June Lundgren. Hello. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. We have about two minutes if you have a quick question. Well, uh, how do you contact, June, how do you contact um, yourself uh, for a reading or a counseling? Uh, you can go to my uh, website, mysticconnections.org. Go ahead. And there's a contact page there, and just okay. contact me. Oh, I can hardly hear you. Uh, oh. uh, I'll, I'll just relay it. If you go to mysticconnections.org, there, there's a contact June tab right at the top, and that will give you the opportunity to send her a direct message. Okay, thanks so much. All right, you have a great night. You too, bye-bye. And, uh, and of course, uh, if anybody wants to get in touch with her that way, you can, also on Twitter, and make sure that you pick up her books as well. June, it's been a fascinating night talking with you, and uh, I really yeah, loved... Good to talk to you. I, I loved having the opportunity to find out kind of some of new information of a topic that I thought that I was kind of educated on, and, and now I see that there's a lot more than I have to learn, and I'm, I'm sure our audience feels that way as well, and we look forward to, to maybe reading uh, The Dark Side of the Paranormal too, <laughs> with some more yeah, information yeah. you can share with us. Yep, certainly, and just, uh, you can email me anytime. If, if people have questions, they can just uh, go to my website, and, and I'll answer them. 
Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck with everything, and uh, and thank you for the work that you do. Thanks, Tim. All right, you, you have a good night. You as well. Take care. All right. That is June Lundgren. Again, her website, mysticconnections.org, is where you can go to find out more about her and about her work. And uh, also you can book your readings with her there as well. Again, very affordable. If you want to just kind of reach out and get in contact with her, I'm sure she can set up a time that works uh, for you as well. Speaking of time, we went over time tonight. We went an extra hour. Well, I mean, we did a two-hour show, but we just went into a different day. So we want to thank everybody that was listening to us for the first time ever here on uh, early Sunday morning. Uh, we, we are normally here Saturday nights from 10 to midnight, and SpookySouthCoast.com is our website. If you go there, if you go to iTunes, if you go to Stitcher, if you go to anywhere podcast or found player.fm all of those websites you will find 10 years worth of archives to listen to and download of the show and of course you can hear the rebroadcast every week on the dark matter radio network as well looking forward to the huge return of art bell coming up this coming monday so check that out until next week we want you all to stay spooktacular